Welcome to Talking Health Tech. My name is Peter Birch, and this is a podcast of conversations with key players and influencers to promote innovation and collaboration for better healthcare enabled by technology. With me today is Charlotte Bradshaw, the CEO and founder of Avrima Technologies. Avrima is an organization that's engaging and enriching society through clinical trial awareness and participation and striving to make a global impact on overall clinical trial timelines and enable the industry to advance medical research swiftly. Charlotte brings a breadth of skills and experience ranging from project management, business development and marketing in the corporate, not-for-profit and SME sectors. Hello, Charlotte. How are you? Hi, Peter. I'm well. Thanks for having me. Good, good. Thank you for coming along a little bit earlier for you as well. You've got a very Aussie accent, but you're not in Australia, are you at the moment? (laughs) That's right, Peter. I'm actually based in Singapore. Obviously grew up in Australia and and moved around there a little bit, but have been in Singapore for 2020. Excellent. (laughs) 2020 is just a crazy one. Yeah, everyone's got an interesting story to tell there. But from your side, tell us a little bit more about your background and yourself, Charlotte. Yeah, so I actually started my career after finishing my degree in market research and I was a project manager working with lots of different clients across telcos, banking, finance, and really enjoyed the project management and having many things on the go at once. And then that took me to Perth and I ended up living in Perth for a number of years and starting a career in clinical research, which really aligned to what I wanted to do and really be involved working with top researchers, bringing new medicines to market. I started my career heading up a recruitment and marketing team for a top uh, clinical research organization in Perth. And that was really, for me, the eye-opener of how tricky it is to find patients that meet trial criteria, give a good patient experience, and also uh, meet very aggressive timelines for clients. I also then moved back to Sydney and actually took a role as a project manager again, but in a top-tier law firm. And so that really gave me some great experience and exposure into much larger organizations, very established, very corporate, if you like, experiences. And I took that and really took a step away and said, you know, I really want to follow my own passion and I want to give it everything that I've got to solve this patient recruitment challenge. Because in the years that I'd been in legal, I hadn't really seen any shift in the needle for patient recruitment. I thought, well, someone's got to do it. Um, So I quit the day job and went full throttle into Avrima. Wow, that's cool. That's cool. We'll go into Avrima in a bit, but it's always interesting talking to founders who've left, say, an established role and then, you know, deciding to go out on their own. How did you find making that leap from being in an employment setting to then going out and doing something on your own? Yeah, look, I think that's one of the biggest decisions that founders need to make around getting out of that comfort. It is a comfort zone. We might not think it when we're employees, but the fact that you get a regular paycheck, you've got a support group, you've got loads of resources at your disposal in a big corporate setting. And then you go from that to it's just you doing everything. And I remember speaking to someone in that firm saying, you know, I've I've left and I'm, I'm doing my own business now and I've got big visions. And just imagine if you didn't have marketing and finance and a secretary and a team. And they said, well, what kind of nightmare is that? (laughs) I said, that's my nightmare now. But it's not a nightmare. There's absolutely no regrets. Founders, I think, especially in healthcare, we can see value that we're adding. We know very, very well what it is that we're trying to solve in this space. And it's really important because we want to reach better patient outcomes. We want to see an improvement to people's lives. So it wasn't a difficult choice. There's a lot of founders I know that listen to this show that would resonate with that answer and probably a few potential ones that are on that edge and deciding what to do as well. So that's probably helpful advice. 
And so then Avrima specifically, tell us a little bit more about that. What is it? Who's it for and what problem does it solve? Avrima, I founded in early 2019, but in fact, I had an agency as more of a side hustle, which was in the same space. So I might just talk a little bit about that first to give context to why I started Avrima. So that organization was called the Clinical Trial Group, and it really grew organically to solve digital marketing for patient recruitment. And what I mean by that is helping organizations who didn't have the resources in-house or didn't understand how to go about social media marketing for patient recruitment. Um, We were an outsourced solution. And so I started that organization. We ended up working across Australia and New Zealand. It was growing really organically and we were getting some great referrals and, and repeat customers. But again, what we weren't seeing is a huge shift in the results. As an industry, we were not seeing, you know, an increase in patient recruitment timelines. So I knew that there had to be a better way. And so Avrima was really born around identifying patients in a data-based setting. So what I mean by that is finding patients that are eligible via the electronic health record and building up what we call an electronic phenotype. Not only that, but we know from research that patients trust their GPs when it comes to information about research opportunities. So we really wanted to bring clinical research and general practice together and offer research as a care option. And so that's what Avrim is about. Got it. Okay. It's an interesting space, the clinical trials area, particularly around recruiting patients and bringing them all together. So tell us a little bit more about how clinical trials work, particularly in Australia around the whole process from start, particularly around the patient recruitment side. It's a really complex area. I think we have had one benefit out of this year in that now people understand a little bit more about it. Hmm. But effectively, what you hear in the news, the headlines around trials taking 10 to 12 years is true. So to give that context, some of the trials that I was working on, you know, in 2011, 2012, those particular compounds are now starting to get into the market. (laughs) That's how long it's taken. So trials do take a long time and for good reason. We want to see that the data shows that that compound or that new therapy is safe and effective. And it goes through a series of trials called phases, phase one to phase four. Phase one is a small amount of usually healthy volunteers. I should, I guess, take a side route here and say that Avrima focuses very much on lifestyle conditions, chronic lifestyle diseases. We don't typically do oncology or any kind of cancer trials at this stage. Um, That's quite a separate model and you would naturally expect to hear about that from your oncologist or your specialist. So we really focus on everything else in research. Once the initial work is done in the phase one, then it goes into phase two, which might have a cohort or two of patients. And that's really looking at different dose levels and again, safety. Then we go into the large scale trials, which we hear a lot about at the moment for COVID-19 vaccines, really tens of thousands of people. And the trigger that they want to see here are those rare side effects, if there are any in large patient populations or large general public populations. So for us, we work across all of those three phases. Phase four is more when the compound is actually on the market and they're looking at long-term data post-marketing. So obviously this year, you mentioned as well, COVID-19 has meant that a lot more people understand a little bit more or at least hear a lot more about clinical trials. How has COVID-19 impacted the clinical trial industry? Yeah, look, I think we've definitely heard a lot more this year about trials. But what in fact has happened is a huge upheaval and a huge impact on existing trials. 
So Australia is actually a fantastic destination to run clinical trials. And so what that means is we see a lot of companies in the US, China, Europe, all looking at where can they run their clinical research. And they're looking for quality data, great regulatory bodies, speed to complete that program as well. And Australia sort of ticks all those boxes, plus we have the R&D tax incentive as well. This year, what we've seen is a lot of existing trials initially went on hold back in March and April, and then a lot of trials had to think outside the box. So project managers of large trials had to think, well, if we can't run it in Melbourne, where are we going to run it? And in fact, a lot of our studies face some of those challenges. So there's a lot of logistics, a lot of planning that goes on behind the scenes, and that that's what was impacted. Quite a lot of trials have been delayed for those reasons. But now where we are towards the end of the year, we're seeing an increase in the amount of trials that are coming into Australia because of what's happening in the US and what's happening in Europe. So these clinical trial sponsors want to continue their clinical programs, but they need to look outside of what their plan A was, which was running it perhaps in their own countries. So Australia's floodgates are somewhat open now Mm. um, and we'd like to see a huge increase and we are seeing an increase in the number of trials running. Yeah, I was going to say, because when you look at, say, a very different area, for example, you know, a big conversation at the moment within healthcare is people who have delayed their health screenings and everything during COVID-19 because they weren't in a position to be able to go get a test on, and the focus wasn't on breast screening or skin checks or anything like that. It was all around COVID. And so what we're going to see there over in the health check side of things is a lot more late stage diagnoses of different things and potential health issues that we're going to feel for years to come. Is there similarities in the clinical trial space where there might be knock-on effects in years to come because we haven't been running clinical trials for a period of time? Or will we just see, like you alluded to, that we've improved the process and now trials can be much faster, if that makes sense? Yeah, that's a great question, Peter. I think what we're seeing at the moment is alternative ways of running trials. And so we are seeing a a huge push towards e-consent to electronic patient diaries, to visits at home so patients don't have to travel. So there are a lot of things that have been discussed at the industry level for a number of years, but there was never that burning bridge. Um, The good thing about all of this is it has the patient in mind. And so we are seeing a shift towards what's, I guess, more patient-centric, which has a benefit because it means that patients will stay on trial or more likely to stay involved in the trial and not and be retained. We want to make sure that trials are designed in a way that's friendly to patients, that is convenient for them, rather than making them jump through so many hoops, which sometimes can be the way. So we are seeing, in fact, we've partnered with organisations to allow at-home visit, and that's been really well received from patients and clinical trial sponsors as well. We're seeing throughout the year, depending on the state, particularly in Melbourne, a reluctance to travel for clinical research. Despite the fact that clinical research had the permit and was, you know, people that are involved in trials are allowed to travel with when those restrictions were in place, we still obviously had patients that were reluctant to do that. So we did see a drop. Now what we're seeing are trials that were paused or were delayed for those reasons uh, back up and running. And I think we will continue to see challenges, again, due to logistics. So if you can imagine if the investigational drug is manufactured outside of Australia, just simply being able to get it in the country and working through those particularly if there's an expiry date, things like that have to come into consideration. So there's a lot, again, on those project managers who are managing these trials to be able to handle all of these different components. 
Hmm, interesting. And so rounding things out then for Avrima, what are you guys looking forward to working on in the next six to 12 to 24 months? So we have been working on a number of different things and we always take a innovative way in the sense that whatever the pain point is for the patient or the pain point for the project manager or the study coordinator, we unravel all of that and look at how can we solve that problem. So in fact, what was on our roadmap for you know the next 18, 24 months has actually come right forward and we're working on that now. So everything's been accelerated significantly, again, being in this space and what's happened in 2020, we're really trying to solve problems that people are facing every single day in running their trials. So as an organization, we've actually evolved not just to be a patient recruitment vendor or supplier, it's really now trial management. So we're really excited to be able to partner with organizations where we can offer the investigational drug being shipped directly to the patient's home. We can get nurses to the patient's home. We can work with GPs and help GPs offer research as a care option. So there are a number of things conceptually that we're working through. From a product perspective, we're also looking at productivity. So research, again, there are so many challenges and we're solving at the moment uh, a productivity issue for study coordinators where they need to go through a huge amount of data, volumes and volumes of information and manage that. So we're solving for that and should be launching that next week. On top of that, we're still in the core of our business is the patient recruitment piece. And so we're building a GP network to enable GPs to see which of their patients meet trial criteria and they can then be empowered to have the conversation around, is this a research option for that particular patient? Um, so we're continuing to, to double down on that and grow that network across Australia. Yeah, cool. Just on that point, mainly because I don't understand the process. So from a GP's perspective, they identify particular patients that might suit a clinical trial. How does that whole process work? Is that just because they want to give value back to the whole process or is there some kind of benefit to the GP of doing that? How does that whole system work within the industry? Yeah, good question. So with GPs at the moment, they're provided standard of care options for their patients. But some of those patients might not respond to conventional therapies and they need another option. And that might be this trial that's investigating a new treatment or an improved treatment that's already on the market. But the real disconnect here is getting that information in the hands of GPs in the first place. We know they're super busy. They don't have time to go trawling through registries or trying to find information. So we're pushing trial information to GPs at scale. And then at the click of a button, they can run that across their patient lists and see which of those patients meet that exact trial criteria. At that point, they can have that conversation, you know, if it's that time of consult, or they can have their supporting team, like their practice manager, contact those patients to inform them about the study. So what really, I guess, what the benefits for GPs here are offering another option, um, which they might not have had before to their patients. They also have the ability to improve their capabilities and practice profile. So it is a differentiator for their practice from a corporate perspective or a business perspective. Really at the heart of it is trying to achieve a better patient outcome. What's really interesting is we see that patients in a hospital setting have better patient outcomes if they're on a clinical trial. And we're looking and exploring whether that's the same case in primary care. Perfect. It's an important place to be looking in primary care in Australia. So it's going to be interesting to see how that all plays out for you guys next year. I wish you all the best. I'll put some notes in relation to Avrima and everything you guys are doing in the details of this episode online. So good luck with everything, Charlotte. Thank you so much for joining. 
Thanks, Peter. Thanks for listening to Talking Health Tech. My name is Peter Birch. Make sure you go check out our website for all our resources, including this podcast and the largest directory of technology solutions available to Australian healthcare practitioners today. Until next time, I'm out of here.